to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I am okay, Jody. I'm okay. I'm a little bit under the weather, but I won't bore anybody with that. I'm I'm okay. I'm good. good. Yeah. How are you? I've already come off the mountain skiing a few runs because we got all of about two to three centimeters of snow after about two months. But, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Powder skiing for you. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. The phrase that you're looking for is no, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, it's like a little thin dusting on top of the crusty stuff that we've had. But yeah. All right. Feeling good. Better than nothing. Better than a sharp stick in the eye. That it is. You know, it's like as a skier would say, I would rather the clothes come in and just dump snow to treat the mountain with a little more care, right? No, that yeah. was terrible. Anyway, the idea today is that we're going to be talking about treatments for your room. Yeah. <laughs> so that you can it's sound better when you're mixing and doing whatever it is when you're recording. And hopefully that translates into a better mix and overall product. Yeah, a mix that translates to different environments better. As someone wisely said, you can't adjust what you can't hear. Right. Who said so, that? Who was well, that wise sage advice? It was Mr. Stephen Slate, I heard say that. Oh, where did he get it from, I wonder? Experience, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's true. And the thing that can be frustrating when we're mixing in our environment where things, most of the time, the sound is not perfect in a room. There are a few things that we can do that we'll discuss today to make it better. But it but sounded so good when I had it in my room. Why does it sound awful everywhere else? Yes, exactly. And that's the unfortunate reality is that our room sucks. And there are peaks and valleys in the frequency response or in the curve in your room that just make you make, not for any fault of your own, but you end up making bad mixing decisions because of that. Bad mixing decisions, bad mixing decisions, bad mixing decisions, bad mixing say I can't say that 10 times fast, shit. <laughs> yeah, so it, because our, our room is not perfect, we end up making mi poor mixing decisions mm -hmm. because, you know, we might have notes certain words or peaks and valleys in the frequency curve. So we end up boosting things where they maybe don't need to be or we're pulling stuff out when they shouldn't be pulled out. So treating your room is not necessarily something that we can get to 100%, but we can certainly make it better than we have without any kind of treatment. Right. And it's not just one magical bullet that does everything. It's a combination of things that lead to getting the room to sound more usable. Wouldn't it be great if it was though? So like, yeah, just use this plugin, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why I was thinking of it, but we were talking about it some time ago where I thought it was just great. You know, the, the rumor was that Al Schmidt was making his own plugin. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that that plugin would do would be to disable all the other plugins in your mix. <laughs> <laughs> but there again, you know, the source needs to be good, right? When we're tracking and if we're just mixing, we have no control over that. We get the tracks that we get and it's up to us to make it better. So, Or to at least make it work. Yeah. So the first thing on the list, what we can do, what is that, Jody? What's the first thing that we should consider? Your speakers, your monitor speakers. That's the first thing that I would think of. 
Yeah, and they're the size of them as well because it can be very tempting to produce. Let's say I'm gonna make like wrap stuff, and, and the low end is imperative. So I want to mm-hmm. have these giant eight-inch speakers, right? And a, and a nice big, big sub and all that. Sub. Yeah, and you're mixing in a cubicle type of thing, right? Well, those speakers are going to be too big. Too much speakers for worse. the room is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And at the same time, if you have too small of speakers, it is something to consider. But the smaller the room, generally, I'm not sure if I even want to say that, but, but the smaller the room, the smaller the speaker. But you need to have something that represents at least low end. Like I'm in a small room. Mm-hmm. I have my general like 1029As, old ones. They're pretty much vintage at this point, right? <laughs> they don't even make but, parts for those anymore. Right. But I got the last one. <laughs> they don't go down very far. No, they do not. So one thing that I do is, I mean, I know them relatively well now, but I always end up double checking the low end on headphones Ooh. because they tend to go down lower. So th- those are things that you can do, but that's relatively easily rectified. Yep. But if you have too bit large of a speaker, yeah, you're creating problems for yourself. I think that happened to you when you were upgrading your speakers, right? Wasn't I wouldn't that? call it so much as an upgrade, but when I switched spaces, mm, I yeah. ended up deciding that at one point, hey, maybe I should try out some new speakers as well. And it just so happened that a friend of mine by the name of Rich Rankin was working at Gibson at the time. And Gibson had purchased KRK or the KRK line. Right. So Rich got it under his butt as a fire (laughs) to remake the KRK V-series speakers. Right. As they were heavily popular for a a time some time ago and he thought well we can do better and we can make them a new version so they came out with the v4 the v6 and the v8 series version 2 i guess is what they call them so they're the v4 version 2 the v6 version 2 v8s version 2 and he was telling me about these speakers at one point i actually invited me over to the factory that they had so i went over there to check them out and i was like oh hey that's kind of nice but they weren't ready at that point. So he invited me to another situation and put me in a room with the exact same speaker that I had in my studio, which is the Genelec 1029As and a pair of the V4s. And what they did is they lined them up, not like where the way a lot of people will do this is they'll have like their little mixing monitor speakers at the closest to the middle and then the next series up goes out another size out and they're going from center outward for each set of speakers right right but that's not how they set up this particular room to do that because doing so changes the stereo width which affect the way you're going to hear how a speaker reacts so what they did is they set them up side by side so that you had a v4 on the left and a genelec to the right of that on the left, and then you had a V4 on the right, and then a Genelec on the right of that on the right. So you had to actually shift your stance a little bit in the room to get the same exact stereo width, because they were trying right. to make sure that what you heard was the same stereo width, and you were comparing apples to apples in terms of the speakers. Makes and they sense. set them up such that the V4 is the same size as the Genelec 1029As. And I listened to some music that I knew extremely well through the Genelex, and then I listened to it again through the V4s, and I was like, 
and I literally let out an expletive and it was like, what the? Because <laughs> it was almost like having the cotton pulled out of my ears and it's not like I'm running around with cotton stuck in my ears. It surprised me so much how much clarity came out of the V4s that I immediately was like, dude, I want to buy a pair. And it wasn't just the V4s that I was thinking of. I was thinking, you know what? I want to go a little bigger. <laughs> And then, of right. course, I'm in the process of downsizing my room and talking to Rich about it. And he's like, you know, you probably, with the size of the room you're talking about, you need to go with the V4. Because the yeah. 6 and yeah. the 8 is just going to be too much speaker for that room. And I'm like, okay. Right. So I went with the V4s. And he, sure enough, he was right. Because the room is rather small. Like, you're in a small room. I'm also currently in a smaller room. And it made more sense and in order to keep the stereo width, instead of stacking them the way they had them, I don't have the room to do it that way because it's hard to shift left and right. I actually stack this Genelex on top of the V4s. <laughs> so yeah, but you're the, using the, the care cases are your main, uh, right? Yeah, the and care you kind of do some little ABing yeah, to the AB Genelex with the Genelex point, when right? I need it. And then I have a sub that works for the entire V-Series line. And I got the 10 inch sub and it gives plenty of bass. And I set it up according to how KRK says, this is what you need to do. This is your volume level that you need to have based on wherever it is that you're at. So I followed that in terms of the size of the monitors and then setting up the volume level that way. And it does make a good bit of difference. Of course, it's not as cool when people come in and they're like, Oh, your speakers look kind of small, but then you can blast the living shit out of them and they're super loud. And I never play them at full volume because it's just too loud for this little room. And that's yeah. the V4 size. But they do go down lower than the Genelec 1029As by about 10 hertz. And it's pretty substantial. Yeah, it is. So we talked about the size there then, and you mentioned something there also. With, and this is kind of beyond the, the room treatment thing, but when we're mixing, it's very tempting to mix louder. Oh yeah, right? no, I don't do that. And it's not a good idea in a lot of cases. Because I don't, I don't you, even do it. No, I know. It's one of those things that you do when you want to impress somebody with a mix, right? You, you blast sure, them louder you because it, it feels more exciting. Want, yeah. <laughs> turn it up. But, but but from a mixing standpoint, you know, it's I can not talk over my mix and you can hear me. That's how loud yeah. I'm mixing. I'm about the same as well. I've heard CLA say the same thing. It's like people are shocked a lot of times when they watch him work. It's like, wow, this is really, you don't mix louder than this. But I guess his <laughs> philosophy is that, well, if you can make it punchy at a lower volume, it's gonna just really imagine what it's going to feel like when, when you blast it, right? Yeah. So that, that speaker size, the other thing to take into consideration before we do any kind of room treatment is the placement of the speakers oh, yeah. in your space. Mm-hmm. Here's where we we have to do a little bit of experimentation. There's not necessarily, unfortunately, a one-size-fits-all, no. right? There are some general kind of guidelines, but you want to listen to, you know, different placements if you have the option to place them in different spaces in, in your room where you're mixing. So that's the next step I would do, just to see where does it sound best at this point. Well, a lot right. of it comes down to what is the size of the room and what sure. is the shape of the room. Well, yeah. the size of the room we've already determined in terms of the size of the speaker, but the shape of the room is also a big deal. And my previous studio was shaped kind of like an L. <laughs> which was yeah, a with weird. your vocal <laughs> booth there. Yeah, yeah, the way it was all set up, it was shaped kind of like an L. But I had it in a sense that the longer portion of the L 
was the length that I was kind of shooting at, but I wasn't yeah. in the L. I was kind of off the side of the L, and it was a little strange. But the current room that I'm in, I'm in more of a rectangle. It is definitely longer than wider and I'm shooting them down the length and I'm not shooting them down the width. I know just as knowing you, you're not in that kind of situation. And I know another producer who literally had a room that was very long and very narrow, but he sat in the narrow portion shooting his speakers at the short point of the wall instead of the length of the wall, which is very, very strange. Obviously, he understood his room, but it was just weird to have such a short distance. And it was also offset. So he wasn't even in the middle of the length of the room shooting him at the short portion of the wall. Yeah, and it's. I can only assume that he, just like in my case, it's one of those things where he experimented and this is like, well, this is where it sounds the most comfortable. And you have to I honestly go think it had more to do with the fact that he was facing the window that opened up into the recording room. That's another good point. Yeah. So he could, there was, <laughs> so he could just see over the that, board. <laughs> right. And there was the communication with, with the performance. Yeah, of course, there's that as well. But I would say the general sort of consensus is that throw long ways, mm-hmm. right, in your room as opposed but it's to... mainly for the low end. Right. When you give the low end the longer portion of the room to throw, you're going to get more of the low end in your actual signal to yourself, so to speak. Yeah. If you're show, throwing it at the short side of the wall, the bass doesn't have enough room to get going, so to speak. And that's why low end is so difficult to do because the wavelengths are so wide and and it's the ability to treat them. We need a ridiculous amount of construction and everything, but we're not talking about a giant professional build here. (laughs) We're, uh, We're talking about things that we can do in a practical way to make our rooms at least sound a little bit better. So that's the size of your monitors. So now you've figured out where they should sit and you're probably throwing them down the length of the room if you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. What's the next step? I start thinking about treatment, Mm. room treatment. Two things that I want to throw out first is don't buy foam packets. (laughs) I don't want to name any brands. Foam might look cool, you know, when Mm. you come in, but it does very, very little to improve your room. All it deals with is- What about egg crate oh, mattresses? Don't be, don't be that person, <laughs> you know? Um, it, yeah, I don't know where the whole egg crate came from. <laughs> I think it was an old, old rehearsal space. You said, oh, we got egg crates. Oh, okay, wow, that's uh, too bad for all those chickens, right? But, um, <laughs> it's just important to understand that they do very, very little. Mm-hmm. All they do is that they baffle your high end, right? And if you're lucky, your high mids, right? By taking away all of that, you can effectively just deaden your room, but you can make it sound worse by essentially just emphasizing the low end and all the problems well, in your room. So. My understanding is, is that foam does not do it on an even basis, and it does very narrow bands of suppression of any kind of bouncing noise. Yeah. So it's not, I agree with you, foam products are generally a waste of your, your money. money. Yeah, your, your money is better spent elsewhere, I would say. When it comes to starting to actually treat your room, there are panels that you can buy. You can, later on we'll talk about you can actually make them yourselves, but they're, they're thicker design products for placing in spaces in your room. And there's something that we 
referred to as the mirror test mm-hmm. as far as like where to place these. The first thing I would think of first before you even start worrying about having a buddy with a mirror, but is to place where the speakers are pointing, right? So place them usually behind you first, like where the first points are where they start, where the sound starts bouncing off. Mm-hmm. That would be a good place to start. The other part with a mirror test is basically having and placing a mirror on the wall, wherever that mirror is, and you can see the speaker in the mirror. That's a good place to place another panel yep. because that's where the sound is going to hit the first, those first reflections, right? Where it comes back at your ears. Exactly. So those are the points that I would start first with treating with, with different products, mm-hmm. whether you make them yourself or if you actually buy them. They're mm-hmm. thicker and not these foam things, right? Right. You actually did this in your last studio, not your current one. Mm-hmm. And well, I did it you in my actually, current one too. Sure. Learn to do it with my previous studio. Right. So maybe you can expand a little bit on that because you were actually mentioned in Sound on Sound and it was one of those room rescue type of things, right? Yeah. Well, before we get into that whole story, let's take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. What were you just asking just before the break? I was trying to get you to expand on what you learned from that room rescue thing that you did through Sound on Sound in your past studio and, and what kind of treatment you ended up doing. Because from what I remember, you actually ended up removing a fair bit of treatment and doing more of a strategical kind of a thing that I just kind of described with those mirror points and everything. So can you explain a little bit what you learned from, from that whole experience? Well, that's where I learned that foam sucks. <laughs> that was one of the first things. And the issue that I had in the studio specifically, not only for mixes, but also for the vocals, is that I was getting a very boxy kind of sound despite having placed treatments up and such. I contacted Sound on Sound because they do that room rescue thing. And those guys yeah. are generally very knowledgeable on the things that they know. Being that they're in the UK and I am in the US, it was a bit of a thing of like, well, if we were coming over for NAM, we could do it then. However, this was not NAM time. It was already just past NAM. So it was like, we could do it this way. And they opted to have me literally draw out the room, diagram form on grid paper and give the exact dimensions of every wall and every indication that was going on in there. And what current treatments I already had. They essentially told me, pull down all the foam. (laughs) Because that's the first big problem you got there. Then they described where and how to start placing things. But they were doing everything all via email. So every step that I went, it was a very slow process in that regard. Because they'd send me an email and say, this is your next step. This is what you need to do. I took it upon myself to take it from a very do-it-yourself get your hands dirty form of doing this in that instead of buying pre-made panels of sound baffles, I opted to purchase the wood, purchase the paneling material and purchase the covers so that I could make them custom and do it all myself. And that was a time consuming process. (laughs) I don't know if I recommend it to the average person. If you, if you have the money, maybe it's better to buy them pre-made, but if you don't and you have the time and you want to learn more about the process, definitely do it yourself because it is an interesting process. It's also one that is not quick. 
But yeah, you have to have patience there, and you have to be know your way around a saw and and some tools, right? And, yeah, and also make sure that you're wearing protective material, at least with the paneling material that I bought, which was the Owens Corning, and I bought two different varieties of it. I bought the 703 and I bought the 705. Each one has a specific function and they come in panels of two feet by four feet by two inches and four inches. And so maybe, maybe just pause that for a second to, just to say that the thicker the foam is, well, that wasn't foam. Treat. I don't. I, no, I'm no, 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 sure not the foam. I'm sorry, but I, I misspoke there. But but the padding anyway mm -hmm. is to deal with different frequencies. Yes. Again, the thicker it is, the more the low end is going to get treated. Well, but there's also a difference between the 705 and the 703 in that they have different densities. Mm -hmm. The 705, I believe it is, is the the thinner and less dense material, which is considered more for the mid range mm -hmm. control. And then the 703 is the thicker one that is heavier and denser. And that was more for the bass traps. And considering that my walls were rather tall, I used the 703 double width or double thickness. So they were eight inches thick and they were like 10 feet tall <laughs> to put in the bass traps. <laughs> they were giant. They were massive. Yeah. The 705 is the two inch thick. And I would actually just use single panels of that and just left them in their two foot by four foot length. And I would create a frame with a bunch of wood as sound on sound taught me to do is like, you take it, you do this and you wrap it around and then you staple it down like this. And that's what I did. And I created a whole bunch of these panels. And that's also where I learned that mirror technique that you yeah. helped me out with that first time. He came I over did, and yeah. was sat in my little spot where my speakers were set and where my desk was going and everything. And then you were like, okay, let's walk around the room. And he sat there and held it and marked it with tape everywhere I could see in the mirror on the wall to the speakers. Yeah. And that's where it just started to put, that's when Sound on Sound comes back and goes, hey, well, we put this kind of panel there and put, you know, cover this much area with it. As the step-by-step -step process went, it finally got finished. And the night and day difference in that room was yeah it already said night and day but dramatic is right <laughs> yeah. yeah i remember you were commenting on because one issue that you had was that you said it felt boxy and it felt dead mm -hmm. right and that was a big part of the foam that was there basically too much treatment yeah it, i was using a lot of the corner foam bits and the giant wall bits and it was just they just said tear it all down take it all out it doesn't work we're gonna <laughs> so do this again <laughs> yeah. we're gonna do it right and then i so also it, built different diffusers as well i didn't just build those the foam or the owens corning panels i built different types of diffusers as well to put around the walls in certain spots yeah and i made those out of concrete forms where you, you use them to they're tubes you buy tubes and you cut them in half You've got a half tube of this concrete form and you can get them in various diameters. Then you put a backing on it and you put a top and a bottom on it and you fill the thing with Owens Corning or something else to deaden the inside of it. And then this becomes a diffusive panel. And one thing that I left out of actually creating on the two by four panels that I made on top of the front face where the cloth went, I also put a thin sheet of plastic the reasoning behind doing that, and they gave me the option of whether I should or shouldn't do it, but you can get various thicknesses of plastic sheeting. And you put that on top of the front of the face, and it will help reflect more of the high end so it doesn't just completely kill the high end. 
Okay. And that was the point yeah. of doing that on those when you're making them yourselves. So if you really want to get into an in-depth thing of how to make your own panels, I am dead sure that that particular article is still on Sound on Sound's website. And if you search my name, Room Rescue, you'll find it. And that'll right. teach you that they have the step-by-steps that they gave me to do all that. Yeah. And there's also, there are a lot of resources out there about building your own traps and things. But but the placement there is the important part in this case for this episode as well, right? Yes. Where you don't want to necessarily just fill your space with these because you can just completely kill it, kill your room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, there, there's no reflections at all. And that's that's not a good thing either, right? So the placement there. Now, another thing that you touched on there is a diffuser that yes. scatters sound, you know, breaks up the sound waves and, and it throws it all across the room is something that we see behind people often, right? Which just mm-hmm. kind of scatters everything. Those are a little bit more scientific in the way that they're not just supposed to be a pretty kind of a thing that's sitting there, right? although you do see those. Yeah, there's some <laughs> and, that are very, very mesmerizing because they're so symmetric. Yeah. And I'm not an expert on it, but from what I understand, there's a lot of math that goes into the randomness to to make them truly effective. If they're truly Uh, random, yes. Right. But you know what's a better way to go about getting random diffusion? What's that? Take the Linda Perry route. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. In her studio, all over the walls, there's just various tchotchkes, instruments, and shelves of books. And that gets you about as random a sound as you can get. And people love the sound of her studio. So there you go. Then again, there's the listening there, right? Mm-hmm. You can listen. So if you don't have budget to do any of these, even to build your own traps, if that's outside of your scope at this point, you know, having bookcases right behind you might not be a bad way to start. Just f- fill them with books and don't make them all linear. Make it look like a, an attorney's office, right? Because that, that's not the point. But <laughs> You're not you a know, lawyer. You're a musician, damn it. That's right. Unless you're a blues lawyer, mm. but then I guess you're both. But anyway, uh, I know. Come for the info, stay for the bad jokes. Last thing, as far as like treatment, we touched on bass traps that generally go in the corners, right, to take care of- Well, I didn't say that, but I did say that I made big ones, and they did end up going in the corners, that is true. Yeah, which is the, the normal place from where, where the first go-to thing, we have bass traps in the corner, mm-hmm. and because corners can be very- tricky to deal with as far as like standing waves and things. And also another benefit of of having the bass traps in the corner is we can generally get away with deeper traps, right? And as we've discovered, more material absorbs more low end. Mm -hmm. But then we have clouds as well. What, what What are your thoughts on clouds? So like we have panels above our mixing position. They're absolutely fantastic when they create rain and snow. (laughs) <laughs> but a boom, Sorry. and we're back to the three centimeters of snowfall. <laughs> exactly. No clouds. I had one in my previous studio, and the general reason for having it there had nothing to do with controlling the sound. It had everything to do with being lazy with the final portion of the ceiling, in that I was hiding it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Right. In terms of actual clouds, uh, it's another one of those things with a mirror point. You can set the situation there with a mirror point if you've got somebody on a tall enough ladder and you have a hopefully short enough ceiling. Obviously, the taller the ceiling, the more room you're going to have for that 
It's the same concept as going with a, a treatment on the wall. It's, it's just now on the ceiling. And I did have two particular panels that I hung from the ceiling along with a giant sheet yeah, to hide the ugliness that was underneath it on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. So th there's something that, you know, might be dependent on the, the height of your room. Mm -hmm. I would think that the taller the room, the more need there might be for cloud just in well, especially if it's slappy if you're getting a lot of slap yeah. from the top then you need to control that right and i do have so, one here in my room. yeah in your space yep. right now yeah jody's pointing skywards here yeah <laughs> okay no foam products right can't can't stress that enough get rid of your foam or at least don't rely on foam entirely if you're using it for just aesthetics fine but it's probably not doing a whole lot for the sound of your room. Instead, purpose corning, rock yeah. wool, those types of things are good for yeah. making panels. And there's also, you know, obviously kits that you can buy for this where you can specify, you know, the, your room size and shape. There are companies that say, okay, well, you should probably do this, this, and that, and then you can choose where to go from there. But it, mm -hmm. any treatment is always better unless it's foam. But any treatment is better than no treatment. That's that. That's the first little thing is that, right? Speakers, the size of the speaker, placement of the speaker, and then start thinking about treatment. And you can vastly improve things from there. I think for right now, we've covered it. And it's time for Friday Finds. Chris, what do you got? Well, we've been talking about sound here for the last better part of a half hour. Mm -hmm. And I was just reminded of a website this week, audiotestkitchen.com, mm -hmm. which offer a fantastic service, I think, where if you are in the market for microphones, as in this case, I was checking out, you can A-B different microphones against each other, right, through their website, and you choose a source of audio, and they've done meticulous work to make sure, again, that you're comparing apples to apples, right, with all the the microphones that they offer and you can listen to different sources. And I think that's just brilliant because it's so easy to get caught up in hype and thinking like, well, this mic is the one everybody uses. So I got to use that one. It's not always the case. So this is one of those things where you can make a little bit more of an informed decision and really get to listen to mics that you might consider. Mm -hmm. So audiotestkitchen.com, I think is a fantastic thing. What about you, Jody? What you got? You know, I've, bounced several different ideas around because there's a lot of stuff flying around this week. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I need to mention all three. Do it. So Go for it. The first triple thing header. is- Yeah, the triple header from Jody. The first thing is, is that Universal Audio has just announced the release of their own microphone line. It starts with the Townsend Labs L22. They have announced that they're going to do a 251, a 67, and an 87. Those are coming soon. And then they also have an SD1, which is a standard dynamic mic with a fairly good-sized shell. And then they have pencil dynamic mics that they're selling as well that are similar to KM184 or a 260. That's one. Gotcha. Two. Line six has now come out with a new amp called the Ascendancy Amp. And they're now allowing for their Helix effects in the amp, which I think is pretty cool. So this is a physical amp? <laughs> this is a physical can... amp, and it okay. runs with the HX effects units. 
And uh, I think you just stick them in there. I don't know exactly how it works, but they're running it with their Helix software in there. And then the third thing, which is actually beneficial for those that are getting into the Dolby Atmos, is that Hornet is come out with a virtual master bus plugin for the Dolby Atmos type mixing. Cool. Yes. And the idea is that it allows you to kind of get your master bus going on one plugin instead of having to go through 128 different tracks to lift a specific thing. So (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of interesting. I don't know the entire ins and outs of it yet, but it does look something exciting for me to kind of get my hands on and play with. Sure thing. Those are my three. Nice. That's a, that's a busy week of, of discovering things for you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's one of those weeks with a lot of cool stuff coming out. So, so well done. All well right. Done. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so gets you a free gift from Chris and I. Plus, you'll get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out. And we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. If you send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word or the letters or more specifically the numbers 705, you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic of suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one, Jody. Jody.